What's up, Cyber and Crypto brothers and sisters? Hope everybody's having a great week so far. Today is Wednesday, February the 12th of 2020. This is episode 102 of the Cybersecurity and Cryptocurrency Podcast. I'm your host, Eric English. All the views and opinions expressed on this podcast are solely my opinions and do not reflect that of my employer. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at CyberCryptoGuy. Hey, how about that Bitcoin, huh? Pretty sweet. If you haven't seen the uh, price jump over the last few days, it's been pretty nice for Bitcoin. So we're going to talk about that a whole lot today. I feel like I've been neglecting the cryptocurrency side of this podcast a little too much. So we're going to lean heavy on that uh, for this podcast. So definitely going to talk about the Bitcoin prices. Also going to talk about Ethereum 2.0, when that's finally going to come out. We're also going to talk about, there's a crossover story here. Uh, there's a new hacker group, not really a new hacker group, but a hacker group called Outlaw. So we'll talk about what they're doing now to mine for Monero. We're also going to talk about Coinbase and what they recently said about Bitcoin and what's going to happen to it in the next 90 days. And the last thing in crypto, we're going to talk about the Bitcoin price as it relates to the coronavirus. And I'll touch briefly too on uh, Facebook Libra, just to give a quick update there. On the cybersecurity side of things, we'll get an update on the Bluetooth vulnerability for Android devices. Also talk about yet another database leak. Probably the biggest news over the last few days has been about the Equifax breach. Apparently, they're saying that four members of the Chinese military were the ones responsible for the Equifax breach. So they have been charged. And that's, man, that's an ever-evolving story. So we'll see what comes out of that, but we'll talk about that as well. Also going to talk about more privacy laws in various states, and we're going to talk a little bit more about Facebook and some of their accounts that got hacked. Also going to talk about CNET and their website and some malware that was found. And of course, we're going to talk about some ransomware and another really interesting story about the FBI. They're investigating apparently more than a thousand cases of Chinese theft of U.S. technology. So we'll talk about that as well. All right, so let's dive right in here on the cryptocurrency side of things. You probably noticed that you haven't heard really anything about Facebook Libra over the last few weeks or months. That's because every single investor has now backed out of that project Looks like it will never come to fruition. So that's kind of an interesting deal there. They were really excited about that. And now everybody's like, nope, we're jumping ship. So Facebook's Libra looks like it is now completely dead. So just a quick update there on that. But the Bitcoin prices have been going nuts over the last few days. If you haven't been watching, we went from about 9,800 all the way up to what it is now and today right now it's at $10,347. So we've we've gone quite a bit of the ways up there especially over the last week or so. Uh, we were even down to 9500 and boom now we're up at 10,347. We've reached as high as 10,403 so that's pretty good as well. Overall for the last 7 days it's a 7.13 increase in value. So that's really nice. I was doing some trading on Durbit over the weekend, and man, it was really fruitful. Made me some uh, some chump change, really, but if I knew what I was doing, I probably could have made a whole lot more. Unfortunately, I have no idea what I'm doing, so I'm still kind of tinkering around with that, but I did make quite a bit just tinkering around. 
and really only making money because the price is going up. I also learned a valuable lesson too when placing orders on sites like Derbit, BitMEX, Bitfinex, uh, where you're betting long or short. Always try to put in your long or short order just at or above or below the current market price. So I made the mistake. I was probably overthinking it. But uh, when Bitcoin was at about 8800 I went in and placed a order for 10000 and because I thought the price was going to get to 10000 So that was my long bet. Well, come to find out, you don't really make any money until it actually hits 10000 Then anything over that is what you make. So learned a valuable lesson there. So don't do that and make that same mistake. So you want to always put in your orders right around the current market price if you can. Typically, it'll let you do right at market price. Bitcoin fluctuates so much, it's hard to keep it updated and get an order in right at that market price. But that's certainly the most ideal way uh, to do it. Now, of course, you don't have to just do Bitcoin. You can do Ethereum. You can do Ripple, all kinds of other fun stuff on those various sites there. So if you're into that kind of thing, I'm sure you've already made a ton of money. But if you're interested in it, just put a few bucks in it and start tinkering around and see if see if it's something that you like. The only real issue, I guess, if you want to call it an issue, is pretty much every one of these sites like BitMEX or Bitfinex or Derbit, they make you get on a VPN essentially because in the US, all of this kind of buying, selling, trading is illegal. Whoops, I guess I'm announcing that on a public podcast, but it's real simple just to get on a VPN to whatever other country and be able to access those sites. I'm sure I'm not the only one that does it that way, but that is what they make you do if you want to be able to access those various sites. The uh, price of Ethereum is also way up. We're at $266 for Ethereum right now. Ripple's up to $0.30. Cents. I remember not so long ago, Ripple was down to $0.17. Cents. So it's almost doubled there. That's pretty slick. But we're seeing pretty big gains all the way across the market. Litecoin is way up. It's at 82 Bitcoin Cash is at 477 and Tezos is at $3.44. They've had a huge run here over the last day or so, 22%. So that's a huge, huge jump in price. Ethereum's up 11% in comparison. By the way, too, if you use Coinbase and you haven't looked at Tezos, how do you say it? Tezos, Tezos, T-E-Z-O-S, the crypto symbol is XTZ. If you haven't looked at that, they do staking rewards. So if you keep some of those coins in your Coinbase wallet, you get a return of about 5.3%. So that's kind of nice if you want to sit there and hold on to that. But of course, the price could go up or down. You never really know. If you still want to make some sort of return on your money, you can also get into USDC uh, you only get a 0.25% return on that for holding that in your Coinbase wallet, but it's still better than nothing, right? So if you haven't done that yet, check that out. That's pretty cool stuff. I like moving stuff into the Tezos fund, I guess you could say, because even when the market's going down, you're still earning that 5.3%. So the market could go down as much as 5.3% and you're still technically breaking even, I guess you could say, maybe, hopefully. So anyway, that's one of the tricks that I do. Uh, I also switch a lot of stuff over to DAI because that 
is very, very stable as far as price goes. If you try to convert everything to USDC, Coinbase charges you a fee, and that really sucks. <laughs> so avoid that if you can. But overall, the market is doing incredible. We're seeing gains all over the place, and everything is up. Of course, Bitcoin is the big daddy, and it's driving all of this stuff way, way, way up. So this so far has been a great year for crypto. We're only in February. Of course, all the speculations now are that it's going to the moon. It's going to hit 100,000. Of course, nobody knows, really, for sure. But it will be cool to sit and watch and enjoy the ride. All right, some other news here about Ethereum 2.0. I originally thought Ethereum 2.0 was coming out like in January. Well, January's already passed, obviously. And apparently they're coming out with Ethereum 2.0 at the end of Q2. So I guess that's June, maybe July-ish, depending on when they get it all done. But that is their new launch date for Ethereum 2.0. And again, that's moving to proof of stake, so there'll be no more mining on this new Ethereum 2.0. You'll just be doing staking, which is just holding those coins in your wallet. Similar to what Tezos does. I am kind of curious too if this will be, if the old Ethereum blockchain will continue to run as a separate chain from Ethereum 2.0 and crypto miners can still mine for the old version of Ethereum. That'll be interesting to see what happens there. I don't know one way or the other, unfortunately, but certainly be cool to see what happens here coming up in the next few months. All right, there's a hacker group out there called Outlaw. And they are back to targeting American businesses again with crypto mining malware. Uh, they're also targeting Europe as well. But Trend Micro reported that the outlaw group has begun infiltrating Linux-based enterprise systems. And they're doing that to hijack computer power and mine for Monero, of course, because Monero is anonymous. Monero is probably the only well-known crypto that is truly anonymous because the blockchain ledger is not public and nobody can see it. So it truly is private. So that's why all the bad guys use Monero because you can't trace it back to them in the long run. So apparently this outlaw group is nothing new. Uh, they apparently just kind of ramped up their operations again here recently. What they're saying basically that this new and improved malware can also hunt down and kill existing mining bots and potentially even their own mining bots to reinfect it with this new one. So that's kind of a crossover story between cyber and crypto there. But they're specifically targeting Linux-based systems. I thought that was interesting more than anything because typically most people target Windows. The Outlaw Group also, well, they used to target Internet of Things devices, uh, but apparently now they're trying to get more into the Linux side of things. So if you have any Linux systems that are externally facing or even just internal, I want to keep an eye out on those a little bit more than normal and watch that CPU usage. Make sure that you don't get an infection from these guys. also wanted to talk briefly about the Brave browser. If you haven't used the Brave browser yet, I uh, highly recommend just checking it out at least. It allows you to use what they call BAT tokens. That is the Brave cryptocurrency. It's based on the Ethereum blockchain. 
and it's basic attention tokens. And essentially, Brave Browser by default blocks all advertisements and videos and pop-ups and things like that. And to be able to still pay the websites for advertising dollars, you can contribute BAT tokens to that website, depending on what it is and if they accept it, instead of watching all their ads. So it's a cool, very cool product. They're also very heavily into privacy. A lot of people hate the fact that it's built on Chromium, uh, especially privacy enthusiasts. They don't believe that Chromium's safe. And, you know, I can totally agree with that. However, Brave takes that code and does a lot of changes to it prior to releasing their browser. And you can even open up a, a Tor tab in Brave. So they've definitely got a lot of privacy things built into Brave. And their BAT tokens have actually gone up in price quite a bit here recently too. So anyway, if you haven't looked at the Brave browser, check it out. It it acts just like Chrome, but it blocks all the ads and stuff. So makes a little bit nicer internet experience when you don't have to look at all those ads. I know most privacy enthusiasts will probably be using Firefox and uBlock Origin and things like that. But I do like the Brave browser. It's pretty slick. So some other crypto-related news. What's interesting is these folks were comparing Bitcoin prices to Asia, and they're panicking over that coronavirus. So it's, it's basically, in a nutshell, it's anytime there's some sort of uncertainty in the government or in that country or whatever, people tend to take out their money and put it into something that is more neutral, I guess you could say, like Bitcoin, that that particular government does not control. That way, if something does collapse, they've still got their money, essentially. So that was pretty interesting to see that comparison. I'll post the link to that in the show notes. Also, too, this was a few days ago now, but the Bitcoin charts, uh, we've heard the term golden cross before. That typically means that there's going to be a huge uptick in Bitcoin price. We have definitely seen that after this golden cross formed. So it'll be interesting to see how much further the price goes up here. Nobody really knows, of course, but hey, that golden cross typically signals some big, big changes and a big price increase. We've seen a little bit of that already, so hopefully that trend continues here. All right, some other news here about Coinbase. They recently came out and said that Bitcoin will essentially be like digital gold here pretty soon because of the scarcity of Bitcoin. Anyway, uh, Coinbase basically compared it to the gold prices and buying and selling and trading gold. So that was rather interesting to see that article and how they were comparing the two things. And it actually looked pretty similar to buying and trading actual gold. So I'll post the uh, link to that article in the show notes so you can check that out. It's pretty cool. But they were basically also pointing to the Bitcoin halving that's coming up in the next, I think it's 90 days or so, when the block rewards cut in half. That's essentially going to mean less Bitcoins that are going to be mined and out in the market. So they, they're betting on basically the scarcity of the coin is going to drive that value up. We shall see, of course. 
I still don't see how Bitcoin over the long term is sustainable because of the mining in particular. I mean, we could sit there and mine for crypto for, we've been doing it now for what, 10 years, 12 years, 14 years, whatever it is since Bitcoin came out. And we're just having to use more and more and more electricity just to get some of these Bitcoins created. Where does it end? How much more electricity are we going to have to draw to continue to build up and create these Bitcoins? It's just, it's crazy. It's crazy to look at how much power is needed and all the special mining equipment that's needed for this. I just wonder, you know, long term, how how that's going to scale and is it sustainable? I think the fact that Ethereum is going to proof of stake is a sign that Ethereum realizes that mining just can't go on forever. There's just, there's no way. The power draw on all these really advanced mining rigs and chips, ASIC chips and whatnot, it is crazy power draw. And if you want to mine more, you got to draw more power. It's just not sustainable for the long term. So personally, I think that's why Ethereum is going to proof of stake here soon. Anyway, so uh, I guess we'll see. I don't know that I seriously doubt that Bitcoin would ever go to proof of stake anytime soon. I don't expect that to happen. I just, I wonder how much longer can we continue to mine for it? Maybe I'm completely wrong and we'll just do it forever. But to me, it just doesn't seem sustainable. All right, so that's it for the cryptocurrency side. Let's jump over to the cybersecurity side of things. So recently there was a big Android Bluetooth vulnerability that came out. Uh, it only affected certain versions of Android. I want to say it was uh, versions 7 and 8 and 9, I want to say, and they're on version 10 now of Android. So it was only affecting those older versions, but... Google did officially patch that Bluetooth bug. They called it a critical vulnerability as well. Unfortunately, as the Android ecosystem is today, most people won't get this update anytime soon. We have to wait for the carriers to test it and validate it and make sure it's good with all of their systems before they release it to the various devices. And sometimes the carriers won't even update the older devices too. So, But Android has released the official patch. But if you're an Android user, you got to wait for your carrier to push that out. All right, some other news here about a database leak. And this one was interesting. It was from Estee Lauder, the makeup company. And of course, they had a cloud database that was not protected with a password. <laughs> and apparently the database contained 440 million records with email addresses and network information. Fortunately, they're saying that there's no sort of payment data in there at all, so that's good. But it's just mind-boggling to see all these people that put these cloud databases out there with no password. It is wild. And you can go and search for these on Shodan, shodan.io go out there and search for these kind of things. And they're quite easy to find if you know what you're looking for. Typically it's Elasticsearch or Mongo databases that are left unconfigured or with no password out there. And you can easily do searches in Shodan for exactly that. 
All right. So the biggest news over the last few days is about the Equifax breach. They're now saying that it was four members of the Chinese military that conducted the Equifax breach. So I'm sure there's going to be some growing tensions now between the U.S. and China, I'm assuming. Also, too, that article about the FBI investigating over a thousand different cases relating to Chinese theft of American technologies. So if any of those 1,000 cases or more are true, found to be true, and they have evidence and they are going to indict more people, I wonder what that's going to do for the tensions between the U.S. and China. Maybe it'll do nothing, but I do kind of wonder if maybe it'll incite some sort of cyber war. Maybe we already are in a cyber war with them. I have no idea. It's above my pay grade, but maybe this will ramp that up and really escalate a cyber warfare with them. We shall see, though. But it's interesting to see how they narrowed it down to these group of four people from the Chinese military. So I'll post the link to that in the show notes as well, so you can check that out. All right, on the privacy side of things, Illinois released their own privacy law. So that's just yet another state that you have to worry about. Also, too, because of Illinois' privacy law, they have to, uh, Facebook has to pay $550 million to a bunch of Illinois residents because it violated this new privacy law. Of course, that means you're going to get, you know, 100 bucks or something for these Illinois residents, but I guess that's better than nothing. Speaking of Facebook, they're Facebook has Twitter accounts, apparently, or a Twitter account and an Instagram account, of course, because they own Instagram. The funny thing is, the hacker group Our Mine, the same folks that hacked all those NFL teams' Twitter accounts and whatnot, they hacked Facebook's. (laughs) So they got control of Facebook's Twitter account and their Instagram account. And basically told them, hey, if you want this back, you need to contact us. So those are mine folks are uh, taking over quite a bit of social media accounts there. It is shocking because Facebook says they're all about security. And yet here we go. I'm assuming they didn't have multi-factor set up on their Twitter and Instagram accounts. Seems like a no-brainer to have that kind of thing. But especially if you really truly are concerned about security. Another article I found... The other day was about deep learning. I'm not going to go into it too much, but it was basically a conference with some of the the top deep learning developers, the guys that essentially, I guess, created it for the most part. And they had a big conference and explained what they do and why they did it this way and yada, yada, yada. It's a very in-depth article from ZDNet. I will post that in the show notes if you want to check out more on deep learning. But as I've said previously, Deep Instinct is the antivirus company that's doing deep learning to detect and prevent malware. So it's really cool to read up on deep learning and the evolution of it and kind of where it's going moving forward. Some other news here about CNET. And apparently they have a download section on CNET's website. I've never been to this download section until the other day. Come to find out. 
people were downloading some malware. It was a disguised as a fake uh, VPN application, and it was designed to steal passwords. So that's probably hard for CNET to detect that it's trying to steal passwords, I guess. But that was kind of interesting to see that software is being distributed through CNET. I've only looked at their news articles personally, but apparently you can download software from them. So if you recently got a VPN and you downloaded it from CNET, you probably want to delete that because <laughs> it could be malicious. I thought that was interesting. I never even knew they had a download section, but I do like their news articles. All right, some other news here, some ransomware stuff. Yet again, we hit another government agency, you want to call it, uh, the North Miami Beach Police Department got hit with ransomware. Wow. Yet another one, and also kind of breaking news, I got an alert that... Stephen F. Austin College in Nacogdoches, they were also recovering from a ransomware attack. So it continues to be an epidemic, and I don't think there's going to be any end in sight. Apparently, these guys are making enough on the people that actually pay it until everyone in the entire world gets on board with not paying these guys. It's just going to continue. So... It's definitely frustrating and annoying, especially for big businesses. It's probably the biggest threat. And I know that a lot of these companies decide that they just have to pay it so they can get their business back online. It's it's brutal. It's brutal. But anyway, just a couple new people that are also getting ransomware. Oh, apparently too, sorry, back to the privacy thing. Apparently there now is going to be a federal privacy law apparently it's coming that's kind of all the article really said so i know a lot of privacy advocates including myself have kind of wished and hoped for a more blanket privacy policy for the entire country rather than having to go state by state because that could be very tedious to learn all those state by state and speaking of privacy i recently went out to apple amazon Google, and several others, and requested my data, Facebook included, requested all the data that they had on me. And LinkedIn, too, sorry. LinkedIn had quite a bit that was very disturbing, um, a lot more than I ever expected that LinkedIn would have. Of course, they have everything that I've made publicly available. But all of these suggestion data that they have is really what's scary. So the suggestion data is all the people that they say that you should connect with so-and-so, and we recommend that you connect with this person because you know them from this affiliation. The way that they connect all those things is really what's creepy and quite a bit of a privacy invasion, if you ask me. But, of course, people share their contacts to LinkedIn. And, of course, if your name is in someone's contacts that they shared, boom, now you've got a link to that person, you're going to show up in their suggestions. The really interesting one, or I guess more scary than anything, I haven't had an Apple computer in, a, in quite a while, and I had an Apple ID back in the day, and I haven't used it in multiple years, but I requested my data from that account, 
And when I did have a Mac, I used the default Mac mail client. I also had an iPhone at one point in time, a long time ago, and I used the default mail client on the iPhone as well. What was really scary is that Apple stored the date, time, sender, recipient, and subject line, and IP address where that email was sent from, they were storing that for every single email that I sent or received via the default MacMail client. That is what's scary to me. I don't know why they need this kind of data, but holy smokes, man, what do they need all this, all my emails? Minus the body of the email, right? Minus the attachments, of course, but why do they need all the rest of that? Why are they tracking that kind of stuff? That's That was super creepy, so I found that with the Apple side. But if you haven't gone out there and done that, I just recommend you go out there and check them out. Download your data and just see what you got in there. You may find that, yeah, I expected to see this, like Facebook. I, I expected to see a lot of that stuff. But LinkedIn and Apple were, were quite surprising. I've always heard that Apple is super big into privacy, but... This made me quite creeped out about Apple. All right, folks, that's all I've got for today. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at CyberCryptoGuy. At CyberCryptoGuy on Twitter. Check me out on there. I retweet a bunch of the articles that we talk about here on the show. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk again soon.